0: When your company produces game franchises like World of Warcraft, Starcraft, and Diablo, some of the most entertaining and top-selling games in the industry, it's worth throwing your own party. Since 2005, Blizzard has done just that with the wildly popular BlizzCon, reserving some of their biggest announcements for the convention and using the opportunity to connect directly with the fans of their games. Tonight, Ron gives us some first-hand impressions of this year's blow-up. We'll also talk a little bit about Saints Row the Third, following up our coverage earlier this week of the recent event they held in Hollywood, including an interview with the writer of the series, Steve Jaros. It's definitely a game we're excited for here at Gaming Trend, and I'll go a little more in-depth than in the video preview we posted. For the week of October 24th, I'm Mike Dunn.
1: And I'm Ron Burke.
0: And this is the Gaming Trend Podcast. Okay, so we we took a break this last week.
1: Yeah, um, and I got sick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I basically I hurt my leg really bad, and and that was my sob story of a reason. Uh, needless to say, I'm doing much better now. Thank you. Um, I think Ron's still sick though.
1: <laughs> I am still sick. I have the flu. It uh, sucks. Uh,
0: but uh, that really hasn't stopped us from playing any games. <laughs>
1: oh. Or driving all the way out to uh, Anaheim and going to an entire event. <laughs>
0: indeed, indeed. Uh, so before we get into that, though, Ron, uh, what,
1: what are you playing this week? So I'm working on Skylanders. Um, Skylanders is a, it's aimed at kids. It's uh, the newest in the Spyro series. Um, I've I got to find somebody at Activision to smack again. So after killing off DJ Hero and screaming about, you know, we don't want to do any more inter, uh, you know peripheral-based games, we have Skylanders, which is an entirely peripheral-based game. Um, it's, uh, it's aimed at kids, you know, ages kind of that 11-year-old range. You have like a little platform and uh, there's three little characters that it comes with and each character has, you know, this character is good with fire, this one's good with water, this one's a mechanical creature and there's like seven different classes of creatures more than 30 creatures that you can buy from the store for about eight bucks a pop and uh each one has different powers in the game so it's kind of a collect them all and you know when you when you get them then you put them on this little platform and then they appear on the screen uh it's it, it's it's interesting and uh yeah i'm working on that review um yeah i i, I gotta admit though i i
0: I feel like this is a little different from their previous approaches with uh, peripherals. Uh, I, I know that my kids have expressed interest in the little figures just by themselves. Uh, and I think uh, I think there's some stickiness there.
1: Uh, there is, and they had enough sense to not just uh, you know do the, the in the game experience, there's actually more of a macro experience as well. Um, you can interact with the characters on their website. Uh Each creature has their own you know set of stats, so you know this creature beats that creature and has this much life etc cetera, et cetera so they had enough sense to to give the creatures a little bit more shelf life than just the game
0: now it has been fairly well received, especially for a a kid's peripheral title uh What are your impressions so far of it?
1: Well, I think he hit the nail on the head. Um and honestly, I think Patrick Warburton is a big part of that. So uh Joe from the Family Guy if you will. Uh he plays a major character in the in the series and it's Patrick Warburton being Patrick Warburton. So it's it's hilarious in its own right. Um dude, he's Brock Sampson. Yeah, dude, he is that as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I believe he was also the tick. He was. So, he was. So there but you Brock go. Brock
0: Samson owns it for me.
1: So yeah, I mean he's a big part of the game, and and that's pretty entertaining. Um, he, you can tell that he just had a blast recording, and it. it doesn't sound flat and lifeless like a lot of kids' games do. Um, yeah, you know, I I think for what they were aiming for, I think they've kind of achieved it. You know, it's got the the hook of Spyro and all his little friends, and it's got enough of a hook for hey, mom and dad, I I, I need this character to get through this level but you know if i had all four of them then i get this bonus power and you know so it's got the the hook on the marketing side as well right um overall i think it's a pretty decent game it's uh it's a hell of a lot better than the last spyro game that's for sure
0: yeah yep yeah. uh, uh anything else you're playing or
1: so i just got in uh rocksmith, but uh you're actually going to be handling that review right
0: yep yep uh my son is going to help me with it. He's been learning how to play guitar uh over the summer and uh, it we've been actually been looking for a way for him to continue that education and i'm I'm very curious to see if rocksmith is uh, is a new and interesting way to go for that so definitely looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's a new patch uh, coming up for the old Republic, so beta testing continues nice it's another, it's another 30 gig download. Um, the, uh, the other thing that's about to fall in the box is Battlefield 3, so that's coming up very shortly. Um, that should be an interesting fight coming up very, very shortly on that. Uh, Dance Central 2 comes out next week, and I've already got my review up for that, so, uh, there will never be video of it, ever, 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 but, uh, (laughs) ever, but, uh, yeah, we're still playing Dance Central 2 in the house, it's, uh. It's still getting a lot of gameplay. The fact that you can play two players on the screen at the same time, that really kind of fixed the only big axe to grind with the previous game. And since you can import all the tracks in the previous game, bam, there you go. Nice. So yeah, it, it's a it's a fun party title, and uh, it's it's getting a little more gameplay than I expected.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, as for me, I uh, I held out uh, exactly one day in my. You know, I'm gonna wait before I go buy this game, uh, and that was Batman: Arkham City. Uh, and I've been playing it nonstop since Wednesday, and it's it's pretty damn phenomenal. Uh, it's way bigger, way way bigger scope. Um, you interact with a lot more of uh, Batman's rogues gallery uh, more directly, um, and it's it's just fun as hell to play. And I'm only I'm only 12% through. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh I haven't even touched any of the challenges uh really surprised at how fun it is to play Catwoman through the cat some of the Catwoman levels. Um mm-hmm. and uh it, it's it's pretty it's it's definitely uh definitely maintained the level of quality that Arkham Asylum did.
1: Uh, Again, I'm pretty impressed with Rocksteady. They went from Urban Chaos, uh, Riot Response, back in the day on the PS2 and the original Xbox, and then did the impossible and made a good Batman game, and then, holy crap, here's another awesome Batman game. So yeah, that's pretty awesome uh, across the board for them. They've got to be really celebrating. I've heard already people saying it's probably one of the best games of all time.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we're we're gonna have our review up uh, sometime this week, probably. But uh, uh, it's been getting some perfect scores, which uh, you don't you don't see too many of those these days, and, yep. and from some reputable uh, outlets as well. Uh,
1: you don't see many of those these days either. Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now, um, <laughs> so. I guess, uh, I guess since we weren't here last week, uh, we're already kind of touching on them uh, right now. But uh, last week's releases, we've already talked about uh, Arkham City, Skylanders, uh, Rocksmith. Um, we just posted a, a review of Dungeon Defenders.
1: Yeah, check that out. That, uh, that scored really well. That's, uh, that's an awesome game.
0: And, uh, and also Ratchet & Clank, the new Ratchet & Clank game.
1: Yep, those are always solid. So I haven't, I actually haven't gotten a, a chance to play it since E3. But what I played at E3, it's more Ratchet and Clank, and that just makes it awesome.
0: Yep, yep. Um, for this week's releases, uh, <laughs> the big one. Battlefield Three.
1: Yeah, that's a behemoth. Yep.
0: Um Of course, Dance Central Two. Uh, we've we've got a review up for that. Um. The new Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Tenkaichi game, which...
1: Yeah. It's sitting on my desk. Somebody else is going to review that one. <laughs> I, I, I honestly... I can't keep up with Dragon Ball Z. Uh, way back in the day, long before gaming trying. I used to run a site called Nightshade's Rants. And basically all I'd do is I'd come home... I used to manage a, a, a software store. And I'd come home and just bitch about the customers and about the experience of managing... A software store it's not as awesome as you might think and uh one of one of the rants that i did i had two kids come in and they started talking about dragon ball z and i it was like they were speaking another language i had no idea what the hell they were talking about but you know they were somebody was saying and goku and super saiyan but then ultimate form and my head exploded and i had to go back and soak it in the in the, the sink in the back i was just confused yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I am no way qualified to uh to review that title.
0: Yeah, it, <clears throat> actually my uh, my kids have recently gotten back into Dragon Ball Z uh because they've been re-airing some of the uh the old episodes on some channel um and probably uh, Tsunami. Uh, uh no. No, I think it was it might be Nicktoons or the Disney one. I can't remember which. Uh they're taking a, a an interesting approach by like conden- condensing the story at least a little bit. Uh, there were several episodes that I recall from the original uh, American release that basically consisted of multiple characters with their mouths agape going "ah,"
1: right, for flying like through the air, of course,
0: ten minutes at a time. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, and I remember thinking at the time, you know, you know, this show would probably be really good with a decent editor. Uh <laughs> but uh I- I'll be honest uh, we've we've owned a few Dragon the Dragon Ball games over the years and neither of them could muster up any excitement about this new one. They're just like, "Oh, it's probably the same thing again." Which pretty much I mean they they they've come out with several games where it's like the whole story and it it there's only so much you can mine from that material.
1: And mine it, they have.
0: Oh, yes. Um, We've also got Stronghold 3 coming out. Uh, Real-time strategy game?
1: I I don't actually know anything about Stronghold.
0: Hmm, Neither do I. We'll have to find out. Um, Let me see. Stronghold 3.
1: Well, while you're looking that up, there's another title called uh, JASF, uh, Jane's Advanced Strike... Jane's Advanced Strike Fighters. Say that ten times fast. Um, so, yeah, for those of us who fancy ourselves as old school gamers, uh, might remember Jane's from about 1994, back when, you know, you needed a boot floppy to fly, <laughs> to fly things out of DOS. So um, Jane's is like, I want to say it was a spinoff from Origin, but uh, then consumed by EA at some point. But uh, yeah, they made some of the best combat sims in the world ever and then kind of fell off the planet in 2002. Uh, AH AH64D Longbow, uh, Navy Fighters, F-15, Fleet Command, F-A-18. They made some great, great titles and then kind of fell off the planet. So another company, uh, Evolved Games... Has snapped up the the license again, and they're putting the title out for the PS three three hundred and sixty and PC. Uh, I've not actually gotten any hands on with it, but the uh, the stuff that I've seen, screenshot wise, is just amazing looking. The uh, the destruction of you know targets, the the debris, contrails from missiles, the planes themselves are picture perfect. But for the love of. God, evolved games. You gotta use better than 480p on your media on your website. the uh, The game looks awful in the videos; just terrible. So, uh, judge that game. I think more by the screenshots, and we'll have to wait and see when some first reviews start hitting. But uh, that's a 16 player co op uh, and multiplayer um, jet sim, and those are getting pretty rare. So it's interesting to see that and then you had uh the title from Namco just what two weeks ago. Right. So yeah, we went from uh from none to now what two. Yeah. So That's more yeah. than none. That is more than none. <clears throat> that is uh that is significantly more than none.
0: I, I will say this. Um the uh I, I could tell what the game is about by the title Ace Combat a little more than
1: uh JASF? Yeah. Uh yeah.
0: Who, who's Jane? <laughs>
1: Seriously, yeah. they really uh they really have to kind of appeal to the uh to the old school Jane's Combat folks, but that that audience is probably pretty small. There are plenty of folks, especially on the console console market that have probably never even heard of Jane's.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I never got into the uh the flight sims that much, so um, but anyway, uh, Stronghold 3, it is a, uh, castle siege game. It's, it's basically a castle, you build castles and then you siege other castles and other people siege your castle. So, uh, that, that looks like a nice little spin All right on, on the, uh, the strategy approach, um, and i believe uh there's a oh, there's a new uh Kirby game out for the Wii this week Kirby's Return to Dreamland they have uh the link look, link look alike Kirby on the cover so you know what they're marketing towards oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh i will say this the last Kirby title that came out for the Wii was pretty fantastic i mean very much a a kids game but uh i had a blast playing it with my daughter Yeah. Um, So I imagine this one may grace grace us under the Christmas tree this year as well. Um, And then a title I I know very little, if nothing at all, about, uh, Blackwater.
1: I, on the other hand, know a lot about it. So um, Zombie Studios is working with uh, Blackwater Worldwide. They're the military contractor slash scumbag group that uh, operates in – in some sandy places that we're still fighting wars. Um, they're teaming up to put out a game that it's a first person shooter on the Xbox 360 and you play a Blackwater contractor. Uh, and basically it's a shooter and they're supposed to integrate the connect, uh, in some way I've not actually seen much more than screenshots. They were pretty hush hush about it at E3. Um, and they've kind of faded into the dark after that because public response to that was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Honestly, Blackwater has gotten themselves in so much trouble in the real world that I don't know that people want to involve them in their games. So that may strike me from their, their review list, and that's just fine. <laughs> um, Zombie Studios has done good stuff in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're they're going to get caught in the middle. That's just – it sucks for them. But uh, yeah, uh, I'll be skipping that one and I encourage anybody else to skip it too. Let's send Blackwater a message. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're done with them.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And they're not going to compete against Battlefield 3, so I really doubt it will matter much. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, yeah, I, that one should hit the bargain bins pretty quick probably. Yeah. Um. On the DLC front, we've got uh, *Infamous 2: Festival of Blood*.
1: Which, *Infamous 2*, awesome title.
0: Yep, yep. Um, that should be uh, that should be lots of fun. Uh, definitely coming out at the right time of year for it.
1: Yep. That should also pull some uh, some folks away from some of those bigger titles. If they're not shooter fans, you know they're more adventure fans. There you go. You kind of get a refresher on one of the best titles of the year.
0: Yep. Uh, and you, you I mean. You gotta wonder if they're going for the, uh, I have to say it. <laughs> you gotta wonder if they're going for the Twilight crowd.
1: <laughs> oh, good God. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, well, I mean, think about it. Uh, Cole would be a vampire and he has electricity powers, so he's got the sparkle going. Oh, oh, <laughs> the pain. The
1: pain.
0: Um, wow. last week we saw some, uh, some good DLC as well, uh, uh, didn't what didn't the uh, Deus Ex DLC come out?
1: Yeah, so the Missing Link. Um, honestly, I've actually I've got the DLC on the PC. I've just been so swamped with uh, BlizzCon and getting ready for that event that I haven't had a chance to spin it up. But uh, early reviews, it's another stellar entry and a, on a very stellar product. So yep. yeah, no big shock there.
0: I'll be picking that one up before long. Um, all right. Excellent. So let's uh, let's talk about one of our big topics tonight. Uh, Saints Row the Third. Ah, yes. Yeah, so uh, as as you probably know by now uh, from our coverage earlier this week, uh, I had the chance to go out to Hollywood for the, uh, the big, crazy event that THQ threw for this title. Um, let's say that THQ is definitely – Definitely putting their weight behind this uh full force. They strongly believe in this title and I, I can't blame them one bit. It's it's it was a blast to play. It's always a good sign when you go to one of these events and you're given the opportunity to play for like five, six, seven hours at a time, when at the end of that period and they tell you time's up, you're like, wait, really? <laughs> But I want to play some more, and it's like it wasn't. It's like no time at all had passed. So Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, that is a good sign.
0: So we've got a we've got an interview that I'd like to run right now with uh, Steve Jaros, that uh, I, I got to talk to him at the event, and uh, Steve Jaros is the writer of Saints Row the Third, as well as the writer for the first two games. So he is. Definitely, uh, extremely well versed. Uh, he's probably the authority on the game as well. So uh, let's let's go ahead and take a listen to that.
1: All right.
2: Hi, uh, I'm Steve Jarris. I'm the lead writer for Saints Row the uh, Third. Steve, a uh, few questions.
0: So. Uh, this game seems a little ratcheted up in terms of kind of over-the-topness right. uh, from the previous games. Uh, what, what made you decide to, to go that direction? Well,
2: um, well, you know, the games were always uh, intended to be funny. Right? They always were supposed to be this uh, over-the-top uh, fun experience. But what we saw in Saints Row 1 is that not everyone uh, was in on the joke. Some people thought like, we were too close in our parody, that people weren't sure if it was supposed to be serious, was it supposed to be funny... You know, um, so we saw that in Saints Row Two we you know, we wanted to go um, we wanted to go uh, more crazy and make to show them that we were funny, but we were like, okay, we can't go and make a huge jump from from where we were to go make it that obvious, we need to go and do this half step. So Saints Row Two was kinda like the, um, the 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 slow process to getting us where we wanna be where we wanted to be for you know, with three, but it's like you know, we can't if we just went from one to three, it would be like what the what the fuck's going on? It'd be schizophrenic, right? But so we by, by, by staging it, we were able to really kind of go and get people on board with our, with our vision and having it be uh, about just being over the top and fun and this just crazy experience. Uh, and that was kind of how we, we got there.
0: So, the, the over the topness was the plan from the start, it just uh, you just had to kind of iterate to get there. Yeah. to kind of carry the, the players along.
2: Yeah, it was always supposed to be funny. It was always supposed to be be crazy. And there's actually a lot of things in Saints Row uh, 3 that we're talking about wanting to do in Saints Row 2, but we're, caught, we're sure about, oh, is this, is this too over the top? Is this too crazy? And so we're like, oh, we have to go and pull it out. Um, I mean, but we're like, yeah, 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 we're doing it. And so... So you so just pulled out
0: all the stops this game.
2: This is really... I feel like Saints Row 3 is the Saints Row game that we always wanted to go and make, but now we finally have the tools to do it. Awesome. Uh,
0: were there any specific inspirations when you were uh, kind of heading down this path for the
2: story? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, shoot 'em up, Kill Bill. Yeah. You know, it's all these uh, these stylized things that tell a uh, an ostensibly serious story in a uh, crazy environment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you say over the top, what does that mean? You know, airplanes over the top and Kill Bills over the top, but they're both very, very different, right? And so right. trying to find the right vibes. So. Yeah, definitely more in that kind of heightened reality, a little more crazy. Everyone everyone accepts the 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 rules. That was the big thing that we wanted, right? Mm -hmm. It's over the top, not because you're just doing stupid shit, is that you're doing crazy things, but everyone accepts it as being being normal. Like of course the saints are celebrities. Why wouldn't they be, right? And like the more that we and we accept that as being the world, uh, and that's our rule, uh, and then it it all it all went from there.
0: It's it's all about uh, an acceptable. uh, Suspension of disbelief, right? Uh, and and like you said, the the Kill Bill and Shoot 'Em Up, they they kind of set that baseline right off the bat. Yeah. Were there any challenges in, in taking this approach? Uh, I noticed there was uh, the char- when when I when I uh, customized my character, I chose the zombie voice, for instance. Right, and you can't understand what your character's saying if you choose the zombie voice. Uh, how did you overcome that, that, uh, that sort of thing?
2: Um, well you know I think the, the key was making sure that whenever someone talked to you as a zombie that people would have context for what um, for what you were saying right And so uh, with the zombie voice making sure everyone understood what you were saying and they would just act like they, it makes perfect sense to them. So when we um, all depending on what your player voice is you have a different um, you have a different lines and so what we tried to go and do when we were writing those conversations for the missions, was figuring out lines that we can give the other, um, the other characters that can have very different context depending on what the line leading into leading into it was right Right. So when um, if uh, uh, there's a, there's a, a part in, in mission 3 where the player is trying to um, convince Shawnee to go along with an idea that he wants to go into with writing this, with reading this armory. And, uh, and all the time her responses are all you know all sort of the same. Of like, no, I don't want to do it. Oh, come on, that's not cool. And uh, but like the, whatever she says, okay, that's not cool, what, what that thing that she reacts to is different depending on your player voice. And so with some people, she's comparing them to peers with other people. They, I mean, they taunt them in different ways. And with a zombie voice, it's just... <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, not cool. And it becomes funnier because you're trying to go and put in... Like, you know you know that he said something that offended her, but you don't know what it is, and I think that's okay. And that, that's kind of like the appeal of the zombie voice, is just this uh, filling in the blanks, but making sure you give them enough lead-in in the beginning and, and a closure at the end to make them allow them to go and have that be this wacky Mad Lib for the, for the player.
0: Uh, so, so the different voices and the different taunts uh, elicit different responses yeah. from the other characters. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, um,
2: that's very cool. Not in cutscenes, only in, in, in game lines. So the cutscenes always play out the same, but, uh, yeah, but in a lot of cases, there's some things that are identical. But for the most part, mission lines play uh, play significantly different. Like, there's one player voice has like a uh, has like a little bit of a crush on Pierce, and another player doesn't. You know what I mean? So there's just these <laughs> these different uh, different hints.
0: Well, and, and I imagine there has to be some difference if you choose a different
2: sex as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's, all, it's all part of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, it's all mostly tied to voice. You don't worry about your, what your visual is. It's whatever your voice right. has chosen. Right. I hope you get to Mission 17. You'll be really surprised. <laughs> um,
0: so how, how do you feel about the inevitable comparison to other games? I know uh, Saints Row 1 and 2 have been very strongly compared to the Grand Theft Auto series.
2: Um, I think that that we're in very different wheelhouses, you know. Uh, I think GTA is great at what they do, but they're doing something that's so different than us that it doesn't even make sense to compare us anymore. Um, we're both open-world games, but um, beyond that, the similarity kind of comes to an end, you know. Uh, just Cause is an open-world game, but... That there's no similarity to Grand Theft Auto or Saints Row, right? And so I think that that basically the more, they went they went the more serious route, we went the more zany route, and I think that we both are very comfortable in our in our boxes, but I don't think that we're necessarily competitive products. I think that we both offer a different experience. They are more uh, character driven, serious crime tale, and we are more about um, about fun and just over the top and exciting, uh, silly silly release uh, of fun. So. I think that we're pretty, we're pretty different.
0: You've been working on this game for a while, and you've been working on the series for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what comes after this? Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't talk about like uh, the next game, but surely you're you're at the end of the game cycle of this game, uh, and surely you've been thinking about the next game that Volition's going to be coming out with. Well,
2: I've uh, I've been go go gadget insane. Uh, that's the new game we're doing with Guillermo del Toro. So I've been working on that for uh, about a year now. Uh, so, um, I, I've been, right, I been, been been working on that. Uh, obviously we do have a DLC plan that we, we've been working on. Uh, as for, like, where things go from there, it's more, uh, there's stuff where we'd like to go and do, but a lot of it just depends on how the game performs, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, um... Like, who's to know what yeah, we're going to go and do it. next? Uh, personally, Seriously. I'm excited to be uh, uh, working on Insane. is about the most polar opposite experience in working on a Saints Row game. Uh, so uh, I know that there's a lot of attention that we're putting on that as well. So uh,
0: It, sounds, it sounds, like, uh, sounds like you've been doing a lot of collaborations with, uh, with other artists uh, and entertainers from other fields. Uh, you were just mentioning Guillermo del Toro. Uh, and it was announced earlier that uh, you, you guys did some work with uh, Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Uh, did you get to work directly with them at all on any of that? Uh,
2: with Tim and Eric, I did not. Uh, I've The only interaction I had with them was when they wanted to go and do a Genki thing, I kind of created a little, like, like a, a, a Genki world Bible, if you will, because <laughs> uh, they had their original idea, and like their image of Genki was a little different than our idea of Genki, and then once they had that, they pretty much ran and did what Tim and Eric do. So I haven't had as much interaction with them. Um, uh, actors, uh, are a little different. You're with them when you're recording with them, and so it's easier to go and kind of mold an experience, uh, uh, with them in mind because you get the sense of their personality and what they're interested in. You can kind of write things that are more tailored to their personality, and, uh, and have a little, a little fun with that once you know who, it's gonna play what role? You can kind of go in and have a little more. A little That's more right. Play.
0: Uh, wasn't it uh, Daniel Day Kim who came back? Uh, Daniel Day
2: Kim came back as uh, as uh, D- uh, Johnny Gat. We have uh, Hulk Hogan is playing a wrestler uh, <laughs> of uh, Angel de la Muerte. So once you knew, once you knew that uh, you're gonna have this wrestler playing this character, you you write certain things with that in mind.
0: Nice, nice. So you actually got to work directly with a lot of these people yeah. as, as the, the game pro- uh, production progressed. That's, Absolutely. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, did they did they influence, how, how, how much did they influence the game when they came on? Uh, was, was there any ad-libbing or anything?
2: Oh, I, lo- I, love, I love to let actors play. You know what I mean? I think that uh, it's really silly to go and stay true to what you necessarily wrote when you walk into the studio because you have to go and see... What are they comfortable with? Sometimes something makes sense in my mind when I'm writing it, but hearing it spoken out loud doesn't play right or or just that you get a sense of how they're taking the character and the lines The lines don't, don't read as well. And so there's lots of things that we've, we've gone and re, uh, redid or rewrote. Um, for the cutscenes, you try to record them all in a group whenever possible. And so a lot of times those social dynamics change things, right? When you, people are playing off of each other as opposed to just reading alone in a booth, you get these little moments that, that um, only can come when actors are really working together. And so there's lots of ad-libs. There's lots of lots of little happy accidents and things that we, we played around with and things that were like, "Oh, that's, that's so much better than what I wrote. Let's fucking use that," you know. Like <laughs> it, uh, it's definitely a, a a collaborative art. Awesome, awesome.
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to share about the game? Uh, anything that you really want uh, our, our readers and our listeners to uh, to know about Saints Row the Third? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Besides go out and buy and play the game. <laughs> Please.
2: No, um, it's... Uh, a lot of care uh, went into making the world feel like a, um, a its own special place. And one of... Uh, some of my favorite elements of the game are... Um, these little minor things that you hear on the radio that I think really just, um, they make my heart sing. So, like, whenever you beat a mission, if you get in a car and you listen to do Change the Channel, there's a radio spot where Jane Valderrama goes and gives an update about what you did. And yeah, those are, yeah, and yeah. Those, I really, I love those. And there's also a... Um, uh, Josh Burke in the game is uh, this character from this TV show, Nightblade. And if you listen on the radio, there is a, there's a radio... There's a progressive story of the tale of Nightblade. Uh, if you listen to it, there's like uh, I think there's over ten radio commercials that tell the story of Nightblade as you progress through the game. So like as you play more, you get a new Nightblade story, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of those. So awesome. that's that's I think, a little small Easter egg, but uh, the, I think the biggest the biggest thing is is that uh, uh, we're all in on the joke. We always wanted to create this fun, happy. Happy experience. And I don't think there's really any confusion about that anymore. I think people are pretty well aware that our uh, everything we do is with a wink and a smile, and and that's kind of how we're trying to go in.
0: There. Yeah, and, and and we were talking about it right before we uh, started the interview, but <clears throat>
2: that there there
0: was a, a moment in the game uh, that I just played where uh, your character and the character that's driving in the car with you start singing along to a song on the radio. Yeah, and. I can't believe no one's ever thought of that before because it seems like, like, first of all, it completely immersed me into the world because that's what you do when you go out, you know, tooling around in a car with your buddy is you act goofy and and sing along to songs on the radio. Uh, I I know I did when I was a teenager. Of course, yeah. (laughs) But, um... But I thought it was a really, really nice touch, and and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing more things like that as I continue playing.
2: Oh, uh, something else that you should be aware of. This is a little secret that most people might miss. Uh, When you call up your homies, Uh depending on what order you call up homies, if you have two of them, they'll have a conversation with each other. So, like, if you call up Pierce and... Also, Pierce doesn't have any, but if you call up, like... uh, You're going to meet a character named Kinsey, right? If you have, like, Kinsey and... Josh together, they say something different than if you have Kinsey and Shondi. who we'll say something different if you have Kinsey and Oleg. And so, as you progress through the game, you'll get these people, and uh, Pierce doesn't have have the conversations, but all of your other homie, uh, will have things that they'll go and say with uh, with each other. And that's pretty fun.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, looking forward to the game. Yeah, great. All right, thank you. So yeah, I, I got to spend quite a bit of time with this game, and uh it, it it's definitely as crazy and as wacky as all the videos that you've seen uh have have attested to. Um I'm gonna I'm just gonna briefly touch on a few things that uh maybe elaborate a bit on, on some of the video preview that I posted and uh, talk about a few other things that I've been kind of uh, holding onto. <clears throat> um, the, the character customization in this game, I, I honestly don't think I've seen a level of customization as deep as this one. Uh, I mean, you have anywhere from five to six sliders or more uh, for every possible facial feature, body... Weight, size, width, height—I uh, mean, like you can adjust very, very granular portions of your character. Uh, you can give them makeup. You can—I uh, mean—before you even get to the clothes, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's insane. I—I uh, I created some weird strongman French mime. <laughs> Gangsta mime with like blood all over his mouth. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and my my absolute favorite part of the character customization is uh is you get to choose their voice. Uh, and you know you can also choose their little like victory motion. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is always fun. I and mean, they have a ton of options there, but their voice—the voice—is actually. Uh, very integral to the gameplay, because your character is talking to many of the other characters as you're playing through the story,
1: yeah, no more silent protagonists
0: right right and and what they've done is uh for all of these voices uh they've slightly varied the conversations that the other characters have with you uh so each each time you play through, they might you know your character and one of the other characters may have a completely different argument than if you had, you know, if you've chosen like a female voice and then in a female character than if you chose a male character. Um, the voice that I actually chose, because uh, I immediately went for the most bizarre one I could, was uh, was the zombie voice. <laughs> nice now the thing about the zombie voice and I, i talked about this with steve in the interview that you just listened to uh but you know you're not actually saying words you're just moaning and grunting and groaning and and that sort of thing and it really it 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 ramped up that ridiculousness of the game like even more and I really found myself just laughing out loud as I was playing the game, uh, because you know you have this serious situation and you hear like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's
1: not the second one. Uh, yeah, those t- those tense moments, you know, where everybody's you know crazy shit's about to go down and you're you're wearing a hot dog outfit. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's part of the stuff that I absolutely love about the Saints Row series.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, at first I was, I was thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe I should have picked a different voice. And then I just kept on playing and I just kept on laughing. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting enough of the story here. And that's, that's as Steve said, that's one of the things that they're really focused on is, you know, you're going to get the story no matter what. And you can get it enough from the context of what the other characters are saying. Uh, there's also the part where, uh, and, and I, I'd, I'd like to see if this, how, how different this is with some of the other, uh, the other voices, but there's, there's a scene where you're, um, driving in a car and you're singing along with, uh, the other character. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I'd be curious to see if, if the song changes depending on the voice that you chose. Uh I I can't remember the exact the, the song that was playing. It was some '90s uh, early 2000s uh, alternative radio hit, and they were singing along with it as they were as you were cruising to the check the checkpoint. And I I I found that to be probably the highlight of my experience there because it just seemed so ridiculous and so something you would do with your buddy, like when you're a teenager doing horrible things. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: You know, <clears throat> um, but, uh, I, I didn't, I, I, I played through a lot of the story while I was there. Uh, I tried to get as far as I could, but found myself just kind of wandering around and, uh, in enjoying the, the open world, uh, a bit, uh, Towards the end of my time, I got to play uh, some of the Horde mode.
1: Oh yeah! Uh, can you spell that for me?
0: Yes, W H O R E D. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, literally, uh, one of the sessions was uh, your your character, you and your co op player. You're basically competing against another player to reach the objective. Uh, that's set out at the beginning of the level. And they're very fast-paced levels. Um, And they primarily mean you, like, taking down, like, a horde of enemies coming at you. So there was one where we both had the the penetrator, the purple dildo bat, (laughs) slapping it around at these midget devil girls. Like, they were, like, half-size models They were, you know, like underwear models wearing little horns and and devil wings. And and I think there might have been some angels too. And you're just like – I think they're shooting at you with machine guns. So that was one. there was another one where uh, you have to uh, defeat a horde of like fast food themed bad guys like hot dogs and such. It. it nice. <laughs> there, there were there uh, were other levels where you you're just launching rockets at them and and they're coming at you it, it it was nuts it was absolutely nuts so uh lots of fun can't wait for that one to come out
1: it, it's nice to see that replaced they had the competitive multiplayer in saints 2 and to be honest you know it was decent but it just it had no legs you know it after you played it for a little while it's like yeah whatever uh, it's nice to see them replace it with something as ridiculous as the rest of the game.
0: Well, and and you know, like they really they really had this mantra going in that they were going to make it as funny and as fun as they possibly could, and every major decision that they made about anything in the game, they applied it to that mantra. And I nice. think I think it really really shows.
1: I know that uh, Daniel Day Kim. Uh, yeah, he's the dude, the the Asian dude from Lost. I wonder if he had any idea what the hell he was getting into when he signed up for the first one. <laughs> Johnny Gat. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Gat. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sure he's flipping through the script, going, "Oh my god, I gotta call my agent. I'll be right back." <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah. So, uh, I I I got to see it at E3, and um, they talked to me a little bit about uh, the awesome button. So, tell, can you talk a little bit about the awesome?
0: Uh, it's really funny. They actually kind of downplayed the awesome button uh, a bit. I, they didn't really talk about it explicitly. Uh, I just kind of discovered it on my own. And and literally what it means that, is that every time you do something and you hit the awesome button, uh, it just kind of adds a nice spin to it. Like, like if
1: instead of opening a card or you can like jump through it uh, General Lee style.
0: Right, right. And and in my interview with uh with the producer of the game or not the producer the uh the uh, di- uh director um Scott Phillips uh he was talking about how the reason why they they introduced that was they felt like you know Grand Theft Auto and a lot of these other uh open sandbox games where you're getting into a vehicle um it just that action of getting into the vehicle grinds the gameplay to a halt like oh oh, yeah you open the door you pull the guy out you start the car up then you get going this is literally you jump in and go and so it's there to help facilitate the uh the the action to happen quicker uh and it it's funny it i actually see the uh if you if you're driving around with a a non-player character that's what they do every time like you could be cruising off and all of a sudden whoop! your buddy's there next to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) nice nice
0: so uh definitely because at first i was worried i was like oh do i need to pick this guy up and then all of a sudden he was there so
1: that kind of solves the other problem with uh with saints too is you know you'd have you'd have missions where you're supposed to bring one of your gang and you'd burn off and then ha ah, damn it you see the little purple dot on your uh <laughs> on your mini map and you're flying back to pick them up yeah
0: yeah um so yeah that was that was fun and and like like i said they really really put uh a lot of uh time and effort into this event uh THQ knows they have a solid product on their hand and they're pushing it as as hard as they can uh, got to see Doctor Genki's. I mean, sorry, Professor, Professor Genki's. Keep on wanting to call him Doctor for some reason.
1: He may be a doctor as well. It's yeah, hard
0: to... yeah, true that. Uh, I, I, they had uh, his man cannon mobile parked out front, uh, which was pretty fun. Uh, so, yeah, the Manipult, I think the man. Oh, yeah, the the Yes. Uh, and and he he made an appearance at the party later that night.
1: Nice. Yep. So we talked about the uh, the wonderful floppy phallus bat and uh, the <laughs> mana cannon. Uh, can you talk about uh, – or the mana Uh Can you talk about any of the other weapons that you found in the game?
0: Uh, certainly. Um, oh, there – I touch upon, upon this in, Scott, in the interview with Scott Phillips too. Um, anytime you get a new like really high-powered weapon in the game, uh, you literally get – a an immediate mission or a sub mission within your mission that enables you to just go nuts and not worry about ammunition uh while you while you're trying to meet the uh objectives for that mini mission
1: kind of like a, a mid mission tutorial hey by right. the way here's your new airstrike weapon go nuke these guys with
0: it exactly exactly and uh but it it it's it's in line with the story, so you don't even realize that it's like a tutorial. You're just going nuts with this crazy new weapon and figuring out how to use it right uh, along the way, and uh, and it's very seamless. Uh, I was very impressed with that. I know I've gone through a lot of games like this where I get a new weapon, or like say I have a rocket launcher, and I just uh, I never use it because I only have one
1: rocket. Right, you sandbag it in case you need it,
0: right, and then you when you finally bust it out, you miss because you don't know how to use the damn thing, so I really, really appreciated it uh I did get to use the uh octopus
1: launching gun, oh, that's the the mind control one right yeah
0: yeah and and that was fun um and uh and the the manipult was crazy fun, it was a little hard to control. Uh, because it uses the standard car controls as well as like maneuvering the cannon, which is a little different from the uh the tanks in the game uh you actually go to more of like a halo style control scheme with with the uh the higher grade military equipment, uh, which I thought was a very interesting choice, but made a lot of sense and made it more accessible um uh, other than that, you know, a wide range of guns and uh, even even your fists are fun to play with uh, as a weapon.
1: I heard you get a giant uh, foam hand to keep your pimp hands strong.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the – I call them the Hulk hands. <laughs> Obviously they can't uh, and they aren't green. But yeah, basically uh, every time you hit someone with one of those, they explode into a blast of blood.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Now, I know uh, one of the things that they uh, they alluded to, but they didn't show at E3, was uh, there's an upgrade system for weapons. Uh, did you get to play with that any?
0: No, they didn't really have that ready in time. Uh, they did mention that, um, and they they didn't really have it uh, fully implemented in the build that we played. Okay. But uh, to be honest, I uh, didn't really – oh, you know what? Actually, they did it to a limited degree. That's what it was. I did, in fact, upgrade my pistol a couple of times, now that I remember. Um, it, it was hard to tell because, like I said, it was a limited implementation, okay. uh, but it seemed like there was uh, lots of room uh, to play with that. The uh, the only caveat to that, and I think they, they actually kind of solved this pretty well, was initially when I started upgrading a weapon, I realized, well, sometimes I just pick up a weapon and go with it. You know what happens to my upgraded weapon after that, and they they did this with the cars and the uh, the weapons. You have a pad, like or a headquarters that you can. You have an ammo stash, an ammunition dump, and like a garage. So anything that you actually tweak and upgrade gets stored there. So anytime you go back to one of your pads, uh, you can. You rearm yourself with the the weapons that you've upgraded, so
1: you know. Very similar to Saints Two, then.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play Saints Two, but it's a great system. Uh, it, it it made me actually want to continue to uh, upgrade these things, whereas before I would have been concerned that I would just like lose them okay. after a while and pick something else up.
1: So in Saints Two, uh, you used respect. You got respect from doing missions and just doing anything saints related you got uh, respect and that's how you would unlock story missions. so it was like you need x amount of respect to unlock the next story mission i heard that it uses uh, respect a little bit differently in saints 3 did you encounter that
0: um i saw that i got respect um but i'll be honest with you the the game the gameplay was so kind of aggressive and pushing you forward uh i i saw the meter fill up and um, I didn't really notice it part of the time
1: well i know I know that you can use it to uh to improve your character yeah that uh-huh. that
0: does occur that does occur it does give you chances to improve your character and it does unlock uh like other upgrades and and possibilities for other things um but it uh it didn't like it it's it seemed like kind of almost optional. You know, you could pretty, you could pretty, at least the levels that I went through, you could pretty much get through all of them without really even having to mess with that stuff. But if you did, it was, it was rewarding. Nice. Um, There was one other cool thing uh, that they implemented that I really liked, uh, and that's uh, your cell phone. Your character's cell phone is basically that's how you call other gang members and get other missions. Um, It's it also has a map on it and you can you can set that any obj, any one of your mission objective points on that map as being your current one, and you will get a like a visual arrow display uh while you're driving so oh, it kind of you, guided you to your objective right right, so you'll always know where to go to to take care of your objective um I know I'd spent a number of hours in the Grand Theft Auto games, you know, forgetting, you know, if I, if I like, put down the game and pick it up again later, you know, what do you do? You've got these missions in your log, but you're not really sure how to complete them because you've been kind of out of touch with the game for a while. Uh, I don't think that will happen with this game at all. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, Ron, let's... Uh, Let's talk about your weekend.
1: (laughs) So BlizzCon. Um, So this is my first time going to BlizzCon. I've always kind of looked at it and gone, you know, Blizzard's always been a shut up and give me my, or let me give you my money kind of company. If it says Blizzard on the box, I'll buy it. Um, But I've never just, it's hard to justify taking time off and flying out to California for just three games, right? Uh, There's exceptions to that. So, Diablo would be the exception. Yeah. Um, Diablo three is is huge on my radar. I've been a huge Diablo fan since the very first one. I even uh, I even purchased the uh, the expansion pack for Diablo one that Sierra made. So I mean, I I'm a huge Diablo fan. As I look up on my shelf, I've got the collector's edition for Diablo two sitting there in pristine condition, and uh, just above it's the original Diablo box again in condition ready for the uh, ridiculous edition uh, that they announced for Diablo 3. But, uh, yeah, so I checked out to BlizzCon, and uh, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I'm a big StarCraft fan as well, but uh, I, I was wowed by all three games. Ah, see what I did there. Enjoy oh. the puns. <laughs> um, yeah, so World of Warcraft, uh, my wife said one of the most horrifying things I think I could ever hear, hear her play uh, say. She said... Uh, wow, I could see me playing that. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> yeah, after I was done recoiling in horror, I explained to her, you know, this is probably going to happen anyway. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, obviously we have the expansion pack for World of Warcraft, uh, Mr. Pandaria. The Kung, um, Fu,
0: Kung Fu Panda expansion.
1: Yeah, the Kung Fu Panda <laughs> expansion. I heard that many, many times. Uh, um, StarCraft Two: Heart of the Swarm. Uh, I got, God, an hour and a half of playtime with that uninterrupted, oh wow, that was pretty sweet uh Diablo three uh i I was a little underwhelmed with uh with what I got to play there, but that may be because I'm in the beta um they had the beta build there with the most recent patch on it, but you know obviously uh, if you've been watching the site, I've put in <clears throat> a few hours with that, <laughs> and you can kind of follow along so um yeah they 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 talked at length about Diablo and I did get some great. Uh, coverage stuff that I didn't know, and a lot of questions answered that I had about how things are going to be implemented. And then, uh, yeah, I got hands-on time with all three. Uh, I got to play the PvP in Diablo three. Uh, and after all that, I went to Disneyland. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't go see Foo Fighters? No, you know, I actually bailed on the Foo Fighters. Um, you know, I got all the coverage, and then uh, it was time to go see the the Rich Rat. Yeah. <laughs> pay my tribute
0: <laughs> worship at the altar of the mouse
1: yes exactly uh you know it was actually a really great time at, at disneyland uh it was incredibly crowded but uh you know an extra fifteen thousand people from blizzcon kind of does that yeah <laughs> so uh so where do you want to start which product do you want to see
0: oh gosh um let's let's start with uh with world of warcraft
1: All right, so uh, Mr. Pandaria. uh, For those who aren't World of Warcraft fans, uh, the Pandaren was kind of a a joke. So they did an April Fool's joke and announced that there would be this, you know, this Pandaren monk uh, character, and everybody got a great laugh out of it. And then, uh, oh shit, uh, people actually want this in the game, and now a couple years later, we're gonna have it. Nice. the idea with Mists of Pandaria is pretty simple. So, all the expansions have all been the Horde and the Alliance reacting to this massive Uber boss monster creature that has caused some cataclysmic event. Ah, again with the buns. cataclysmic event uh, in in the world of Azeroth. So, um, basically, the idea in this one is all of that has been shrouded from this this. Um, this world of Pandaria, the, uh, the Pandarens have been kind of uh, hidden in secrecy behind these mists of Pandaria. And basically through all of the, uh, the conflict in the last expansion, that mist is dissipated, revealing this world. And uh, the intro to that world, both the Horde and the Alliance locked in this naval battle crash onto, I'll say the island, but that's not exactly true. You crash onto where the Pandarens live. Uh, The Pandarens actually inhabit a giant sea turtle. Uh, This massive, massive sea turtle um, actually left Azeroth 10,000 years ago and has been sailing away since, uh, you know, doing its little paddle action. And yeah, so we've kind of crashed onto their world now. And, uh, both Horde and Alliance characters can be, uh, Pandarens. But, uh, beyond that, there's actually a ton of new, uh, things that'll come with that new character, uh, class and, uh, and type. So, uh, you've got the Pandaren, of course, as a character model. Uh, but the Monk is more, um, they're... From what I gathered, I got to play through probably the first 10 levels and uh and mess around with a bunch of the uh the different attacks and that kind of thing. They're very much a damage dealing up close heavy uh action character. In fact, one of the things that kind of surprised me, there's no auto attack for the monk. All the other character classes in any of the other uh any of the other game they all have some sort of initial auto-attack. You hit one and the character just goes to town and attacks, attacks, attacks. Um, with the monk, you actually have to do something that is pretty much straight out of Diablo three. to be honest. Um, you have to build up chi and you have to build up light and dark energy. So you use your jab attack, which is your, your primary number one attack, to generate those light and dark points. And then the skills that you use will either cost one, two, three, or four light points or dark points. So uh, you have to kind of manage instead of mana or anything like that. You have to kind of charge up your attacks. So it was uh, it was interesting to to play. It was very different than any any other character that I'd played. Do Do you feel the expansion's
0: a bit of a departure from the the norm uh, for a while? I mean, is this like a is this like a, a kind of a whole new vista op- uh, opening up for the game or do you do you feel it's more of like a you know aging franchise kind of treading water at this point?
1: No, you know, they graphically they've definitely bumped things up. They they recognize that this is this is an aging product for them. You know, and it's it's been long known that they're working on another MMO. Uh so it was kind of surprising to see this much effort put into, you know, what is their longest-running franchise at this point. Um, well, I actually, I can't say that. They're Their most successful franchise, I'll say. Um, longest consistently,
0: perpetually running franchise, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that'd be a way of putting it. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've really done a lot of, uh, of new things. It's not just, you know, an Asian-themed WoW. Uh, they've also added some new stuff that we didn't get to play with, but, like, the pet battle system, you get all these pets, in fact, we got new pets uh, for just attending BlizzCon, you know, every year we get a new pet, and then there's all these pets that you can purchase in the game, you know, you bought StarCraft, so you got the uh, the Thor pet, so there's all these pets, and they're they're just they just run around and follow you around, and they're cute. Well, now there's like this almost Pokemon-type battle system where you could have your pets fight each other, and, uh, You'll have to train them again very pokemon esque um, they get different um, different attacks they have uh, you know they're locked by level so there there's this whole level up mechanic that goes into all of your pets and you have to buy new skills for them and train them so there there's a whole mechanic that they're introducing that wasn't there before um Another thing that they're adding is a, a system called challenge mode. Challenge mode uh, is basically the – so you're going to do a run on a particular dungeon, right? So like Stone Core or you know, some place like that. Uh, you can do that in a certain amount of time and there's always you know that timer that's always pressing there. But can you be the fastest? So uh, there's a bronze, silver, and gold uh, ranking for each level now or for each uh, dungeon now. And you can try and get, you know, run it in the fastest time possible. Um, that runs exactly, just as a side note, that runs exactly counter to the way I play MMOs. I could care less how long it takes me. I'm there to enjoy the experience. The people that enjoy running it and running it and running it and running it, like they schedule it three times a week, this is for them. So, you know, knock yourself out. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's been added. Um and then you know, the monk itself, it's it's a very different character class, and it can, can be it can be played on uh horde and also oh bless you.
0: Thank you. Sorry.
1: It can be played on horde and alliance. Uh so yeah, it'll be it'll be an addition for both uh both sides. And yeah. twice now.
0: Yeah, they're they're never one at a time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's also some other items that they they talked about but they didn't reveal. Uh there's a new scenario system and uh a talent calculator, and of course, you know this is a whole new world. So there'll be tons more content. Just, you know, it's a full expansion. Blizzard's never been cheap about their expansions, so yeah. Uh, fans of World of Warcraft are definitely going to get their money's worth.
0: So, so a horde of new goodies to play with, eh? Ah, again with the puns.
1: <laughs> this will be the pun edition.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh. So. So talk about uh, StarCraft.
1: All right, so StarCraft. Uh, I love StarCraft. I've been a huge StarCraft fan from the uh, from the get-go. I've put in a stupid amount of hours and that, in both titles. So we've got uh, Heart of the Swarm. Uh, for Heart of the Swarm, it's an expansion pack, but don't even think of it that way. It's a full new title. Um, I won't spoil. I, I guess I kind of have to, actually. So at the end of... Uh, the previous title, you rescue Kerrigan. And so heart of the swarm is the all Kerrigan all the time. uh, Continuation of that story. Kerrigan being rescued from being the queen of blades has lost her, uh, her memory of being the queen of blades for the most part. And it's about rediscovering her kind of rediscovering who she is as a person. She's not human and she's not Zerg anymore. But she still retains a lot of the powers of each. She's become a ghost again. And her one driving thing that she remembers very well was Arcturus Mengsk leaving her to die. And that's how she became the Zerg Queen. So if that's your driving thing, and that's the last thing you remember, that her whole purpose in life is to destroy Arcturus Mengsk. So she's going to do that by reuniting the Swarm under her but now under her own control. And I got to play about an hour and a half uh, of the single-player game and then a little bit of the multiplayer game as well. Uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, graphically, they've definitely stepped it up since the previous title. There were some uh, some concerns about yeah, some kind of rough edges in the previous title. Those are gone. Uh, even the... Uh, the character models that they're using for in-engine stuff, uh, it looks CGI quality. The guys at Blizzard, they know their they know their stuff.
0: So I just heard a laser in the background. Are, are they coming for <laughs> uh,
1: Yes. I'm an Android user. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a text message.
0: Yeah, I got you. Um, <clears throat>
1: or, or I've said too much and Blizzard's coming for me.
0: <laughs> Your wall starts crumbling. Um, yes. So, I, I know when they announced that they were basically splitting StarCraft 2 into three full games, yep. uh, it kind of freaked everybody out. How, how, now that now that you've gotten a chance to play with the second one, uh, how do you feel about it? You feel I, it's just like three times as much...
1: It to, is. Yeah. It is. It's three times the content, and they've taken a lot of the uh, the stuff that worked really well in the first title and expanded on it, so... The single player stuff that they let us see. Um, I got to choose between two different worlds, and just like in the previous title, if I went with Char, then I unlocked uh, Broodlings and uh, or I'm sorry Zerglings, and uh, I could expand their capabilities differently than if I went with uh, the other world, Kaldir. Um Char is, of course, you know the uh, the original home world. Uh, of the Zerg, the primary kind of the the birthplace of Kerrigan, and uh, so that that world has certain characteristics that you can augment your your uh, your critters with, whereas Calder is completely frozen over. So uh, the Zerg have never had to adapt to that kind of environment. Uh, you have this uh, creature named Abathur that is your evolution master, and he can expand on your capabilities or your creatures as long as they go and harvest native creatures and kind of use their glands to augment your, your, uh, your forces. So in this particular world, uh, every three minutes, there's this huge ice storm that'll freeze you in place. And if the enemy is immune to it, they can just rip you to pieces. Um, so if you get enough material from the native creatures, You can then uh, only be slowed by it. You get more and then you're immune to it, which is in the particular mission that I played was key because facing off against the Protoss and we had a very limited amount of forces. I would wait for them to be frozen. I'd go in and rip apart all their power supplies and then back out and wait for the next ice storm and kind of use that ice storm as a, as my, uh, my ace in gotcha. the hole for uh, for taking them out so it, there's a lot of the elements from the previous one yeah you know, the previous one you could upgrade your tanks you could upgrade ghosts you could upgrade you know, that kind of thing that's all in the game but uh there's a lot more story and a lot more interaction between things it doesn't feel like it's all kind of pasted together it definitely feels more cohesive
0: now on the multiplayer side of things uh do you know if there's going to be any interoperability between uh the two titles
1: you know, I didn't actually ask that. So there's three there's three new units that we got to see, um, and they definitely have some new skills. Based off of what we saw with the original StarCraft, where you had StarCraft and you had Brood Wars, you had to have Brood Wars to play against other people who had Brood Wars. But if you had Brood Wars, you could play with people who didn't. Gotcha. You know, just not the other way around. So um, I imagine it'll probably be something like that, but who knows? You know, I mean, they... They could easily say, you know, you're playing against somebody without it, so you know, here's a small little patch. Uh, I kind of doubt it because they're going to want people to buy it, right? Um, but they may do like they did with StarCraft Two and say, you know, here's a little card where you can play the first couple, you know, hours with multiplayer, and then you got to buy the game, right? So Blizzard's definitely got some new strategies for for the digital uh, marketplace, and they seem to be working pretty well. Uh, which reminds me, so. Back to World of Warcraft. Um, the other big announcement, and it was pretty huge. Despite everybody chanting beta, beta, beta to try and get the Diablo Three beta, um, if you're an annual subscriber to World of Warcraft, you will get access to the beta for Mist of Pandaria. But you'll also get Diablo Three, the uh, digital collector's edition. or I'm sorry, the digital edition, not the collector's edition, uh, for free. So that just... Wow. In my, in my, ah, get with the puns. Um, <laughs> in my experience, a lot of people that play World of Warcraft are not typically what I would coin as gamers. They play World of Warcraft, but that's all they play. So this is kind of Blizzard's move to say, hey, uh, why don't you set down the WoW for a minute and check out this other awesome thing? So it gives them access to, what, 11 million people Mhm. That maybe wouldn't have otherwise played Diablo. And there's a hidden uh there's a hidden agenda going on there too, you know. That's 11 million people that might then use the money marketplace. Yeah. And Blizzard does get a chunk of that. Oh yeah. And I I'll talk a little bit about that later though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh hopefully well, yeah, I am I'm I'm hoping they just keep that that number out of the overall sales reports when they they start coming out that that would seriously bias it, but I imagine they'd probably only release uh numbers on who's playing how many people are playing online right and that's gonna be very telling when you compare that number to how many uh physical copies or or digital copies were sold right right um so yeah we're we're talking about diablo let's uh let's talk about Diablo,
1: okay. Uh, well, before we talk about Diablo, there's also one other thing that came up for uh, for um, StarCraft, which is uh, Dota, D-O-T-A. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Defense of the Anci- Ancients. So uh, Blizzard's got a, a completely team-based uh, competitive title called Dota that's coming out when it comes out. Or as they said in their, their teaser trailer, soon-ish, we promise. Uh, and it's it's basically... I don't, when I played it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Warcraft 3. So a lot of hero units, and then uh, it, it's Defense of the Ancients, like any other Defense of the Ancients-type title. And, uh, yeah, it, I think it's going to kind of revive StarCraft, get it back installed on people's machines, and it's going to keep them busy playing until you know Heart of the Swarm comes out.
0: Now... Is this the game that uh, there was some a bit of controversy about uh, a few months back? Um, th- didn't this start off as a mod or of, of another yeah, game? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it it started off as a mod, and then uh, Blizzard kind of snapped it up. the The controversy was that you know somebody else was making it, and then Blizzard kind of shut it down, right. shut it down, and then now they've got their own kind of thing. Honestly, I think it's something that Blizzard was doing already. And they just wanted to kind of kill it off. Um, they're going to have, uh, you know, more information on it later. Uh, the little bit of time that I got to play with it. I mean, it, it's definitely just straight up defense of the ancients, but with blizzard characters. So that was cool running around as uh classic Kerrigan uh, queen of blades and sticking people with, with, uh, you know, her spiky things. And that yeah, was good stuff. Um, I couldn't get anybody to commit on a release date, of course, and I couldn't get anybody to release any sort of information on cost. Um, I suspect they're probably going to release it for free, but you know, who knows?
0: Right on, right on.
1: So Diablo three is really what I went there to see. Um, to be perfectly honest, it was really my, my whole focus. Um, the big thing that came out about Diablo 3 was the the uh, Collector's Edition. So, uh, as, as I said earlier, I've already got the Collector's Edition of Diablo 2, so it's no big shock that I'll be buying the Collector's Edition of Diablo 3. Um, so it'll have the game. Uh, it'll have the Soul Stone, which, uh, for those who've not played the first Diablo, at the very end, you defeat Diablo. He transforms back into the little kid. Yank out the stone, and to prevent anybody from el anybody else from being infected by it, you jam it to your own head that 's kind of the passing of the torch you know, and that person then tries to resist as long as they can from again becoming diablo um so this this u s b soul stone sadly it's only four gigs, but uh <laughs> it nests in a giant skull of diablo it's very cool um. <laughs> You know, the, it just doesn't get any cooler than that as far as a holder goes. Uh, it'll also be preloaded with Diablo 2 and uh, Lord of Destruction, the uh, the expansion pack. Oh, nice. So uh, it's something very similar to what we saw in the, uh, the Collector's Edition of StarCraft two It came with uh, the original StarCraft and the expansion pack, uh, Brood Wars. So well, similar thing with that. Uh, you also get... Some aesthetic uh, changes for your character in-game, some wings, an exclusive banner, two types of die that you can use on your character items. Um, you also get a, a shaman pet for World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, That's kind of con- continuing the tradition from StarCraft II. You got the, uh, the Thor pet for StarCraft II uh, for Diablo, uh, or for buying uh, the collector's edition of StarCraft II. You got the Thor pet for World of Warcraft. Uh, Some exclusive portraits that you can use in Battle.net that kind of identifies you as the uh, shut up and give me my money type. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a behind-the-scenes combo Blu-ray DVD set that's going to come with the game uh, that goes over how everything came together, which let me tell you, seeing it live, seeing some of these artists put together stuff inside of an hour that would take me a year, I'm – continuously amazed at how well these guys could just sketch anything out. Uh, one guy drew up uh, a monster from Diablo three. Another guy drew up a weapon and inside of an hour while he was answering questions, he made something that could easily go into a uh, great segue, the art of Diablo three, which is the, uh, the book that's going to be in the game as well. Nice. Uh, and uh, to polish it off, they'll also have the uh, Diablo Three soundtrack, uh, which will have all the the music from the game
0: Good Lord, how much is the thing going to cost?
1: That's a good question that they did not answer.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I suspect it'll probably be priced about the same as the uh the collector's edition for Starcraft Two, which I imagine will be about a hundred bucks
0: oh that's better than I would think, considering all of the stuff you get
1: yeah, that is a pretty substantial amount of goodies um. So, yeah, when you think about it, most PC games come around uh, 50 bucks. It's double that. Again, I, I shut up and take my money, please. <laughs> <laughs> They're not breaking the bank with that four gig Soul Stone, so <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, Diablo 3, they they just had the, the beta content, which for those of you who have not played the beta yet, uh, I apologize. I tried to get more keys. They're working on it. We'll see what we can do. Um, there were a couple things that I did notice, though. So the book that they gave us that kind of was a, a legend for the weekend, uh, on the cover, they show a picture of Diablo. And Diablo's got breasts and hips. Ooh. So um, Diablo is definitely a different character than I think. Um, what I'm suspecting, if you've watched the uh, the trailer... The uh, what is it? The Blackstone trailer. Um, There's this girl Leia, and I want to say yeah, she's uh, Deckard's Deckard Cain's uh, niece, and I honestly suspect, given how much trailer footage that they showed of the ending of Diablo One and the Wanderer or the the Stranger from uh, Diablo Two, and they showed a lot of Leah. Now we've got the soul stone and Diablo's skull. You know, they're kind of going for this, Hey, remember the soul stone sticking in the head thing. And now we have, uh, lots of unanswered questions about this very female looking Diablo. I think that may be how we get, uh, a secondary boss for Diablo. Mm. Uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the, the brand new, uh, primary monster for Diablo. Um, And then now it looks like we're also going to have, you know, the great, the big D himself. Um, So there's also a lot of uh, Tyrael. Tyrael was the angel that, uh, you know, kind of worked with you in Diablo 2 to try and stop the, uh, the, uh, the rising of the, the, the brothers And, uh, so they had their Tyrael, uh, statues at, uh, BlizzCon. And then the goodie that they gave away was a maquette of, uh, Tyrael. So it's about a four and a half, five inch, uh, little Tyrael figurine that they gave away. So that was kind of awesome. And, uh, so yeah, I think they're, they're going to kind of bring back a lot of the elements of Diablo 2 and try and tie the story together a little better than, uh, Than one did to two.
0: Nice.
1: And, uh, sorry, the black soul stone was the name of the trailer.
0: Right. Right. Um, so was there anything else, uh, Diablo centric? I mean, I imagine, you know, with it, with, we're really actually, even, even though it's not coming out by Christmas, we're, we're still pretty, pretty darn close to the release. So, uh I imagine they either want to kind of hang on to some stuff uh pre pre-release or or maybe they just uh didn't didn't have as much to focus on this time, but I mean, was BlizzCon really and truly uh primarily focused on Diablo 3 this year, you think?
1: Uh there was a lot of focus on Diablo 3 and we got a lot of questions answered. So, I got to sit down with Jay Wilson He's a uh, lead game designer for the game, and uh, I got to sit down with him and talk to him a little bit about some of the specific items that I wanted to know about. Um, so the auction house was a big part of, of people's angst. So you got the, the money auction house, and you got the in-game money auction house. The, uh, the, real, game, the real money auction house came, came about because people are going to sell items whether or not there's a mechanism for it or not. So what happened with Diablo 2 and Diablo 1, for that matter, the game's all about loot, right? So you kill something, you try and get the best loot, you trade with your friends, because Diablo is really primarily a social game. I mean, it's meant to be played cooperatively and multiplayer. So, you know, you end up trading with your friends. They don't get the items that you want either. The randomness of the whole system makes it really difficult to get exactly what you want other than the very specific uh, items. Like for instance, the plate of the whale was one of the huge items in Diablo 2 that was very difficult to come by. Um, So you ended up trading with people and what would happen because there's no real good trade mechanisms, you end up throwing it on the floor. And then the other person throws their item on the floor and it's this duel as you run over and grab their item, they grab your item and then you both log out. Terrible trading system, Um, and then you know some items just—you ended up getting scammed. You know, you drop an item, and then they grab your item and then log out. It was just terrible. So then you go to a a website and you could buy an item from there, but there's you know you're giving your financial information to somebody you don't know. Uh, You know anybody can prop up a website in a matter of minutes, so it's not like it's it's difficult to to sucker people in. And they can say they have whatever they want. So again, lost transactions. Uh, you know, all of a sudden your credit card's compromised. So Blizzard, it's not. I mean, they're taking a small percentage. They haven't said how much, but they're taking a small percentage of these transactions to you know pay for their relationship with PayPal, their relationship with you know credit card holders and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like they're gonna. They're they're not gonna go create another world of Warcraft level of money coming from that auction house. It's just not right. going to happen. Right. Uh, so the way the, uh, the auction house is going to work, um, you as a regular player, uh, you'll be able to search for items, you know, based off of, you know, do you want to look for a specific type of item by name or do you want to look by stats, some combination, um, there's also a smart search that they're integrating into the next uh, beta patch, hopefully, where basically it says, hey, I notice you're playing a wizard and you kind of like items that grant you know, this stat. So I've suggested these items. It'll search the auction house for you, that kind of thing. Um, and the idea is that when you find those items that you want and uh, you can purchase them securely. Uh, they they partnered with PayPal, so basically the life cycle of of purchasing something that they they want you to get into is you know you're you're adventuring around with your wizard, you get this crazy awesome axe that drops it's completely useless to you or you just don't want to play with a, a melee wizard because that's kind of insane. <laughs> so uh, although you can do it, by the way, um, so you take this item, you go to the auction house. And you sell it. So, so let's say for just a second that you get like ten bucks for it. So then, at the time that you get that ten bucks, you specify, "I want this as money," and then it goes straight to PayPal. Or you say, "Leave it in the auction house." And so, if you say, "Leave it in the auction house," then you've got ten bucks that you can use for other items in the auction house. Uh, so you know, then you go search for this great wizard item. You find it. It's seven bucks. Now you've got you know, three bucks left at math work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this colon is kicking in my tail. Um, you've got, you've got three bucks left over that you can buy other miscellaneous crap with. So, um, you can't then take that $3 and transfer it to PayPal. You have to make the decision right then, whether it'll be money for PayPal or it'll be money for the auction house. So, um, to try and get around the, uh, the Shenanigans of having you know gold farmers and that kind of thing right. uh, it'll be region locked, so you're basically stuck with just people in North America if, if you're in North America, just people in Europe if you're in Europe, that kind of thing so yeah. uh until the hackers to figure out a way around that, which they will um, well, it sure, should... it
0: sure keeps the the pool of items more manageable as well.
1: Right, and it doesn't, it doesn't wreck the economy, yeah. which is, is kind of the idea. Um, so they, they wanted something to be convenient, secure, and easy, and it sounds like they've, they've taken steps to do that. Uh, you're free to use either auction house. They're both free, and uh, they didn't specify exactly how many because I imagine they're still tuning it, but everybody gets a certain amount of listings that resets every week. So, if you're like, you know, screw this real money auction house, I'm not going to do that. But then you get this great item that's probably worth 10 bucks. You can go then list it, get your 10 bucks, and call it a day. Um, they estimated, where are my notes? They estimated 2.3 billion items, I think. Billion wow. with a B. Hold on, that might be wrong. Uh, I'm sorry, 2.3 trillion items with a T. 2.3 trillion items in the game. So there's a really good chance that you're not going to find the same item twice.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Nice.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, they, the idea is that, so Diablo has got four levels of, uh, difficulty, right? So you've got the easy, the normal, um, hell, Inferno. Oh, I've got these out of order though. So the highest level being Inferno, right. um, there we go. Normal, Nightmare, Hell, and Inferno. Uh, the idea is that Normal is actually pretty easy. It's for the casual player that you know maybe hasn't played Diablo before. It's not meant to completely wreck your day. Um, certain elements are restricted for that level uh, of play, so like the, uh, the rare and champion monsters will only have maybe two items, so maybe they're resistant to lightning and they're also uh, immune to fire. So You you may have to switch to melee to take them out or whatever. Uh, When you switch to the higher difficulty levels, they'll start getting more than two, like three or four uh, modifiers until you start to get to some of the insane stuff. They want Inferno to really just kick your teeth in. Uh, Level 60 is the maximum level for Diablo 3 until the expansion, which inevitably will come out. Um, But they want Inferno to be difficult from the get-go. If you take your level 60 character with their level 60 gear, and you go into Inferno, you should get your teeth kicked in in the first area. Uh, They want it to be purposely extremely difficult. So that way, um, there's always a challenge. And they have said, uh, and Jay repeated this when I talked to him, if there's a need, they will then expand that higher level character uh, content again, for Inferno to make sure that there's always something interesting for them to do. Uh, they don't want people maxing out their Diablo character and then turning around and selling all their gear or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the Diablo three stuff was pretty, pretty awesome. And they, you can tell that they're focusing really heavily, not just on the hardcore Diablo players, but also on trying to get new players into the game, uh, by keeping normal, pretty easy, you know, with a, a relatively, Simple barrier to entry, and they're trying to get people to enjoy running out and slaying monsters. They don't want you constantly having to warp back to town. So, you know, you've got your Nephilim cube that allows you to create uh, crafting materials, you've got stone recall that lets you warp back to town, you've got your banner that lets your friends warp to you. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of really great items to keep people doing what diablo is all about and that's furiously clicking the mouse buttons to slay monsters and collect loot
0: awesome awesome so yeah it sounds like uh you're gonna be putting up quite a bit of blizzcon coverage in the coming days
1: (laughs) oh yeah i've I've got quite a bit of notes uh i did want to say that uh Moore was awesome again uh handling the uh the comedic side of things uh they did have their their usual costume contest and dance contest. Uh, they got rid of the sound contest, and thank God for that, because that was just retarded. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but uh, the costumes. Oh my good God! the 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 three people that won were amazing. Uh, the guy who did uh, a Deathwing costume from uh, from World of Warcraft. Incredible work! It looks like a professional-made costume. Same thing with, uh, they had a paladin with, uh, Ashbringer from World of Warcraft. Incredible work. The person who took first place though, I got to talk to her after the event. Uh, she was dressed up as the Starcraft two Terran adjutant. And uh, I'll send you some pictures, Mike. It's, it's the most amazing costume. It lights up. Uh, her contacts were gray and oh, kind of wow. mechanical looking. It was incredible work. And, uh, you can tell that she put a lot of heart and soul into this costume and 3000 bucks in her pocket for her efforts.
0: Wow. Very nice. Yep.
1: yep. And, uh, just like last year. So last year we had, uh, somebody got told break a leg and then they did, uh, this year we had a guy fall off the, uh, the, uh, the little platform. Uh, Ooh. he, he had this Minecraft, uh, paladin and, uh, yeah, couldn't see real well. And right off the runway, he went and, uh, yeah, they propped him back up, and he uh, got much cheering and uh, went on with his day. It was good stuff.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, awesome. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing that coverage this week. Uh, we've got a, a lot on the plate yep. for you. <clears throat> well, uh, I, guess, I guess that's it for this week. <laughs> Wasn't it enough? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, This is definitely uh, kind of making up for lost time from last week. Uh, I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, This is the Gaming Trend Podcast for the week of October 24th. And signing off.